Welcome everyone. Today is Wednesday the 4th of January 2023 and we have our podcast that's called Sermon Chat here at Richland Lutheran Church where we talk a little bit more about the sermon that was preached the previous Sunday. The sermon that was preached our previous Sunday is a sermon on kindness and we really were asking the question why would a Christian, a Christ follower, walk in the kindness of Christ? Today's guest with me is none other than our congregational president, Sandy Steele. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you. Glad to have you. Thank you. Um, You came, I just want to make clear uh, to everybody, you came of your own accord. I did, yes. You were not forced or coerced to be here. (laughs) Not that you would speak of. (laughs) Right, uh, not in those traditional ways. Define coercement. Well, there might have been a little guilt trip thrown out there, but here you are nonetheless. (laughs) So glad you're here, Sandy. Uh, So Sandy's going to be asking some questions and thinking through this topic of God's kindness. So let's get to it. We have a couple of questions this week. We do. So um, let's start. What do we have? Uh, Well, the first one uh, that I'd like to share with you is, and this is a takeaway uh, that this person shared, is you can make a conscious choice to be kind or not. And the question Hmm. is, how do you separate God's plan from our choice? Why do bad things happen uh, when it isn't our choice? And such Hmm, as uh, children born with deformities, um, Hmm. the uh, Holocaust, uh, Auschwitz. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So um, first, I'll, I'll speak to the observation that Kindness is a choice, and I would totally agree with this member's takeaway that that we can and do choose to be kind or unkind. Mm-hmm. I would say when we choose to be unkind, that's typically not an intentional choice, but more of a choice not to be kind. So, you know, they say uh, no answer is an answer. Well, mm-hmm. same here. Mm-hmm. If we choose not to be kind... Oftentimes we default to our sin nature, and uh, if we're not intentionally being kind, then sometimes we can be unkind. Then the question regarding God's choice. So I think this pertains to the part in the sermon where I talked about God's kindness. So the, the first rationale that I gave for why a Christ follower would walk in the kindness of Christ is one, God is kind. And this is a good question. Uh, We admittedly say, and I said in my sermon, that sometimes God doesn't seem to be acting kindly, like when a child is born who's Mm -hmm. deformed, like when atrocities happen, like genocide and Auschwitz. And the answer to that question, as we consider it is, first we have to think about God's character. And God's character includes kindness. And what I didn't say on Sunday is, as kindness is related to love, oftentimes the Bible puts those together. And Uh, the Bible will talk about God's loving kindness. So when we try to separate those two, I I don't 
think we're really getting to the heart of who God is. So if God is loving and God is kind by character, mm-hmm. then it would be erroneous to think that God could be unkind and unloving because it's not part of who he is. Right. It's not, not his makeup. So if, if we consider then that God is not being kind or it, that God is being unloving, then our, our presupposition is in error. We're, we're saying something that doesn't match with the God that we know. So there has to be a different answer. The question regarding God's choice to be kind or kind, I don't think God has a choice. I think God, by his nature and character, has to be kind. God has to be loving. God has to be just. God has to be fair. Mm -hmm. So uh, God doesn't have a choice in that space to be anything but kind. So when we hear pastors preach that um, a child is born with deformities and then in the same breath breath say well that was a that was according to God's plan or you know if God is sovereign his plan includes the atrocities of genocide no uh, that can't be right. right so we have to we have to rethink that sandy and in this space what uh, we have to differentiate between <clears throat> is God's sovereign will over our choice. Uh, This is a a classic theological battle. (laughs) How much Mm -hmm. is God involved in his sovereignty and how much is our will involved? And I'm not going to try to answer that question today. (laughs) We can simply say that it is both our choice and God's sovereignty that are working in conjunction with with each other. So we live in a broken world Mm -hmm. and God is sovereign over that broken world. However, God has abdicated in this time, the end times, this this is the eschaton we live in, Mm -hmm. that Satan still has rule over this world and that though Christ dealt with once and for all sin on the cross, the lasting an everlasting efficacy of that act is not lived out until his return. So we, okay. we are living in what theologians call in the eschaton, the not yet, but already fulfilled kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom partially. Mm-hmm. So that's why bad things happen to, bad, to good people, is because we still live under the power of this world and the ruler of this world, and we are still wrought with the brokenness of this world, two, and three, we are still captives, especially those who are not in Christ Jesus, to our sin and our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. So I think it's erroneous for a pastor to preach, and I think, friends, we can reject this idea that it was God's plan to... Um, create a deformed child. No way. (laughs) We know God's plan, Sandy. It's Mm -hmm. revealed to us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. That plan was broken in Genesis 3 at the fall. Right. So I don't think we can say this was God's plan, 
but rather this is a function of brokenness and sinfulness in the world. Okay. I think also then we have to say God's plan and God's will are different um, sometimes. So maybe it's God's, not God's plan for us to, you know, live through difficult times or atrocities, but by God's will, he allows it to happen. So we talk about God's passive will Mm -hmm. and God's active will. Oftentimes when we say God's will, we mean God's active will, like God did this or God didn't Mm -hmm. do that. But in most cases, in this space especially, what we're talking about is God's passive will. God allowed this to happen. God allowed in his sovereignty and by his will for this child to be born into brokenness. But really that's for our benefit because if and when we live past our brokenness, that's, that's the end of times. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the world. That's the apocalypse. So it's difficult to talk about God's plan and God's will and God's sovereignty, most certainly, but we can't say that our God is unkind or unloving. Does that okay. make sense? some sense to you? I, I know I said a lot. Yeah, you and did. And Kelly told you before we got started that I would just start, uh, well, not her words, but mine, um, vomiting at the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a pastor, so you kind of expect it. You have it. that right as yeah. a pastor. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it just kind of affirms for me the, uh, it's not an easy answer. It's, it's not, not black an, and white. No, it's not. I, I've often heard the yeah. God allows. Yes. Uh, which yeah, that is curious, when, especially in the case of an unborn child, that isn't a person's choice, because we have free choice. Well, Correct. that obviously is not a person's choice. It's not our choice, and we would be in poor space to attribute that to God's choice. Right. It's certainly yes. not his. He did not plan for this child. Now, right. did it surprise God? No. Um, did he know it was going to happen? Yes. yes. Right. Will he bring good from it is really the key. Yes. And we know God will do that. Because right. the Bible says God works all things together, even right. child deformities and genocide, all things together for good for those who love him. Right. Well, we love him. He will bring good out of it. And gosh, we have seen so much good out of those children who are born with deformities. I've had several mm-hmm. in my life who I count as uh, closest family, and they were a blessing and a gift to me and a blessing and a gift to their parents. Right. So God does work in that space. Right. Wow, good. that's a great question. Um, yes. I, good answer. Know, it, yeah, one of those super easy ones that just took a minute. So, uh, you know, it now... Took a minute we, to ask. Yeah, now we have... <laughs> so we still have 29 minutes and a half an hour oh, together. Okay. <laughs> Well, the next question uh, is, uh, in your sermon, uh, mm. you touched on the fact of Christian churches and Christians uh, being downright mean, mm. which uh, I, yes, I, I have to agree with that. Um, what you didn't talk about, well, mm. actually, I guess what I'm asking, if you would talk about more particularly yeah. 
the why is that. Mm. I did kind of look into, when I say I, obviously I'm the one who asks questions. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, it, and it is yeah. a question that's always been on my mind when yeah. uh, that discussion has come up. I did explore a bit yeah. uh, as your uh, uh, examples, the nine traits of, of uh, mean churches, the nine reasons some church members are mean. Uh, I did get uh, some answers, if you can, but uh, I, I'm just curious. Did as you to actually why go to the website? To I Google? actually, I actually went to the. I won't say that I spent a lot of time on. The, it. Hey, don't burst my me. bubble. But I'm I, just happy somebody <laughs> did something. But yes, I did actually go to the website, and it looks like I I picked up where what you had uh, shared with us. That's um, great. I'm just wondering why, as Christians, as Christ followers, because yeah. Christ was. Mm-hmm. Kind. There's nothing nowhere in the yeah. in the Bible and scriptures does it indicate that he was otherwise. Yeah. So why, as Christians, um, do we sometimes resort to meanness? Uh, I think I have three answers for that. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> um, the first is the one that I think we would normally go to, and that is that Christians, though saved from the wages of sin mm-hmm. still sin right there's no way to get around our sin nature we are still uh, trapped by mm-hmm. it and so this is why the apostle paul says when it comes to his own sinfulness and you could hear the frustration in this text he says i do the very things I don't want to do. And those things that I desire to do, so he means there the good, the God-honoring, the loving, right. the kind. He says, I, I don't do those things. And so he is at war. Mm-hmm. He, he would use this analogy. He is at war in his body. And that war is between his flesh, that's our sinful nature, and God's spirit, which he would say that's Christ in us. Um, the the fruit of the Spirit that I mentioned in my sermon, and this is why I think this is so great, we get to talk about what ends up on the cutting room floor. Uh, I would have liked to take another 20 minutes and excuse the pun, but put some flesh on the bones of Paul's work in Galatians regarding yeah. flesh. That would be another sermon. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be another sermon. And I know my limits. Uh, <laughs> one sermon per week, <laughs> per service. <laughs> so I, I couldn't go there. But what Paul is talking about in Galatians, and, and the fruit of the Spirit is really the second side of this, uh, of this war that's being waged in us. Mm-hmm. Um, the first side of that coin, Paul talks about um, the works of the flesh. And he would give those uh, drunkenness, debauchery, uh, fornication unto sexual immorality, and all the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, And so on the one hand, we live in the flesh. And we are still, though we are saved by grace through faith, the full effect of salvation is not realized until we are with Christ after our 
flesh has been put to death. Okay. So we are saved from the wages of sin, that's death, the second death, but we still live in sin and with its consequences. So that's why we still in our nature can resort to being unkind or downright mean. Mm-hmm. One. one. So one is sin. Okay. Two is the devil made me do it. <laughs> and we rem- remember. We couldn't that. help ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's, and, uh, so there is still an alive and active devil and demons that rule this world. And God is, in his wisdom, not mine, doesn't always add up, but uh, has allowed Satan to continue to rule. And so we still do have that serpent, as such, Mm -hmm. offering us the the apple as temptation. So uh, if God's primary institution and way of of communicating the gospel of Jesus and advancing the kingdom is the church, then Satan's primary target will be the church and those who are in, by the church, I mean those who are in it. Right. So Satan has a predisposition towards tempting those who are doing God's work and God's ministry and God's mission. That's number two. Mm -hmm. The third uh, reason I think that we find that that you know this this could be beyond the church as well, but you know especially in the church as I talk about it, um, mean spiritedness or Mm -hmm. you know unkind people is just because of the brokenness of the world. The world is it's uh, Mm obviously broken. Uh, we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. <laughs> Newsflash. Right. And I, I hope I'm not catching anybody off guard here. <laughs> but it's yeah. clear that we are living, and what I mean by that, I think in particular, uh, is the curse upon the world that God put on us, and beyond us, the the world itself. Right. So um, those are... I think the three predominant reasons why we find particularly, um, and I I don't think it's any different than the world, and Mm -hmm. I would hope the church is is ahead of the world here um, in terms of its kindness. But I think, you know, those are three good reasons why we Mm -hmm. still find that um, kindness is, is, is sometimes not lived out in the church. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have to wonder when I think mm. of uh, referring to mean Christians, meanness in the church, people who who uh, won't come to church because mm. of that yeah. meanness. Is is it uh, well? Is first of all, is there that much more? You you mentioned yeah. no more than than the world. Is there really that much more meanness? Mm. In the church, or is it because of the expectation is That's higher than uh, That's a great as a point. Christian? Yeah, I, I think I hear you saying that we have higher expectations right. for those who are in the church and in Christ Jesus. Right. And when those expectations aren't met, it feels like um, the church is meaner <laughs> than mm-hmm. the world. 
Yeah, I think our meanness is equitable yeah, <laughs> with the, right. within I, the world and, and the church. Yes. But again, it's a great point, Sandy, that our expectation is higher for those who are in the church. And you referred to this in your question, mm -hmm. namely because Jesus was never mean-spirited. Right. He's God. He couldn't have been. And he was without sin. So we see in Jesus love and kindness and all the rest. Mm -hmm. So it leaves people asking the question, if... Jesus was so great and kind and loving. Why aren't his followers? Well, or he or human for one thing. It's because of the three sin. reasons I sin, listed. Yeah. It's sin, Satan, and brokenness. Right. That's those. That's why. So um, to bring this around, mm -hmm. the good news is we have a choice, and that was the first question. Really, you know, does God have a choice? No, God has to be kind. But we do have a choice mm -hmm. because of those three reasons, especially our sin. So we, we can choose to be different. And I don't know about you, but I, I see, and this is our context, I see the church in America, and I see some really crazy stuff happening in the church in America these days. And I, I'm not going to, name names or all the rest, but we can we can see that the church in America is really topsy-turvy right now. Right. And um, a lot of people are asking the deeper questions like, why the mean-spiritedness? Uh, where's asking the question? Where's the kindness? See, and if the church doesn't look any different than the world, then mm -hmm. there's there's going to be nothing that really attracts the world to the church. That's the church taking on the world. It's is. the church taking on the world. Mm -hmm. And part of that's happened because we are allowing culture to interpret Scripture. Right. I think what Jesus did and would advocate, and, and the writers of Scripture, and the good theologians... <laughs> would say, no, the Bible helps us interpret culture. And mm -hmm. that seems like a subtle difference, maybe, um, or semantics, but not, not at all. I think the church in America has and will continue to, if they're not intentional, to allow culture to interpret mm -hmm. Scripture. Uh, and, and I would say on, on both sides both the conservative church and the liberal the church liberal, do this. Right. Is That's that, why we are laser focused on preaching the word of God. Now, why do you think that's more so hmm. in uh, the American churches versus hmm. churches worldwide? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I've got to keep myself out of trouble here, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> yeah. I think one, because that's kind of been our practice, mm -hmm. um, to there's a, I think, um, and I wouldn't say this uh, with a broad stroke, but, it, but I would say both liberals and conservatives 
who would uh, espouse this kind of, we would call it a hermeneutic, a hermeneutic that is um, the way we would interpret scripture. I think both, on, you know, on, on those on either side, there, there's uh, some kind of pride or elitism in uh, the one who says, no, I, I know better than scripture. Mm-hmm. And really we're supposed to approach scripture humbly and our attitude towards scripture and towards Christ in humility helps us to rightly interpret and practice a proper hermeneutic or interpretation. I think that's part of it. Maybe, as I think further, um, what's more important is our, our move away from Scripture entirely. I don't think people really understand anymore, and maybe especially those in the church, what Scripture says. We've really moved away from it. Mm-hmm. And even in many pastors and preachers and teachers, we see them moving away from preaching Scripture. Because let's face it, Scripture is not easy to preach. It's very difficult. Right. Um, scripture challenges us. Scripture tends to correct us. Scripture tends to, at times, rebuke or rebuff, um, as well as train and teach. But I think o- oftentimes we hear kind of these pop psychology feel-good messages Mm. and that's what attracts people. Mm -hmm. People like hearing the good word. Well, scripture doesn't always have a good word. It's always a good word in in that it's God's word, but it's complicated and it's difficult. It's hard to hear sometimes. It's hard to hear. It's really hard to hear. We don't want to show up to church and um, be told we're doing something wrong. (laughs) But that's oftentimes how the Spirit speaks. So I hope that was helpful. I hope I answered your questions. You did. I appreciate you being here. I think we're out of time today. I'm not sure how long we're going, but we're close. Was there anything else that came to mind Uh, uh, or any other questions? Yeah. (laughs) Not today, but... There will be. There will be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the good news. No, I think these were Um, good ones. You'll be back. I'll be back. Well, thanks, Sandy, for joining us. Um, Let's... Why don't I close us in prayer? Sounds good. Yeah. Lord God, we're grateful for our time together this day, for Sermon Chat, for Sandy, our congregation president. Mm -hmm. Bless her, keep her, continue to guide her leadership, give her wisdom and discernment as she faithfully serves and follows you. God bless each of us now and to the rest of this day that we would, at the end of it, uh, be found faithful and uh, surrendered in obedience. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, Sandy. Good to be with you. See you, friends. Bye-bye.